Hi there and welcome to Global Heart Church. Uh, I'm Jared Keane, the senior pastor, and wherever you are tuning in from around the world today, really, really hope and pray that in our planning of this message that it's going to really inspire you for the great journey that you are on and uh, for the great calling that you have in your own life. So enjoy the message and really pray that it's a blessing to you today. Hey, I want to preach uh, this morning a message called The Word That Will Change Your Life. The word that will change your life. So uh, before we get stuck into that, let me pray and let's just commit this time to the Lord and let's just believe that by His Holy Spirit, He's going to speak to all of us exactly what we need to hear. So Father, we do just thank you for this time. Lord, we're so grateful that we can be a part of this church, that we can be in church. And God, we're so grateful we're in Western Australia where we can gather as a whole church family and worship together, be together. And uh, Lord, we just invite your spirit into this time as we read your word. I pray, Father, speak to each of us and help us, Father, to grab something Father, that's going to help us go forward in our walk with you. And I just pray we would all leave today, God, really encouraged, really inspired, and Father, more hungry for you than when we got here in Jesus' mighty name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. Come on. Well, hey, the word that will change your life, it's not a word. It's actually the Word, and I want to preach today about the Word of God. I want to speak about the Bible. I want to speak about Scripture. I want to talk about God's Word, God-inspired, God-breathed, holy, to be honored, to be lived out, to be read, to be applied, the powerful, supernatural, holy Word of God. So this morning, I've got five points, two stories, and 18 passages of Scripture, all about the Word of God. So if you've got your Bibles or you're taking notes, we're going to head to 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16. It's going to come up on the screens. Sorry about that. And it says this, all Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching. Come on, who loves teaching? Come on. It's useful for teaching and rebuking. Who loves being rebuked? Come on. Okay. Correcting and training in righteousness, verse 17, so that the servant of God, you and I, may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12 says, For the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. Psalms chapter 19 verse 7 says, The law of the Lord is perfect, refreshing the soul. The statutes of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, giving joy to the heart. The commands of the Lord are radiant, giving light to the eyes. The fear of the Lord is pure, enduring forever. The decrees of the Lord are firm and, on all, and all of them are righteous. They are more precious than gold, than much pure gold. They are sweeter than honey, than honey from the honeycomb. And everyone that loves a crunchy said, Amen. Amen. Psalms 119 verse 97 says this, Oh, how I love your law. I meditate on it all day long. Your commands are always with me and make me wiser than my enemies. I have more insight than all my teachers. I tried to tell my teachers this in grade six. It didn't go too well. Um, For I meditate... On your statutes, I have more understanding than the elders, for I obey your precepts. I have kept my feet from every evil evil path, so that I might obey your word. I have not departed from your laws, for you yourself have taught me. How sweet are your words to my taste, sweeter than honey to my mouth. And all the crunchy lovers said, 
Amen. I gain understanding from your precepts. Therefore, I hate every wrong path. Love this scripture. Very famous one. Psalms 119, verse 105. Your word is a lamp for my feet and a light on my path. Church, I want to encourage us this morning. We must not forget the power of scripture. We must not undervalue the importance of the word of God. We must not underestimate, come on, our need for scripture. And church, we cannot forget the blessing that it is to have the Word of God. It's not a normal book. It's not just a collection of stories or ideas. Although it contains histories, uh, history, poems, and stories, it is far more than that. It's supernatural. It's holy. It's truly a God-breathed book. Through Scripture, throughout time, God can speak to the rich, to the poor, to the old, to the young, the, the pastor and the prostitute can be encouraged and challenged from the same passage of God's word. It's through scripture that we can draw closer to Jesus and grow in our understanding of who Jesus is. We learn who God is by reading scripture. We learn who Jesus Christ is through reading the Bible. We understand who the Holy Spirit is through reading the Bible. I want to encourage you, if you desire in your heart to want to know God more, look no further than God's word. Many people speak to me about, man, I want to draw closer to God. I want to understand who God is. And, and many people will go and sit at the beach and stare at the sunset for four hours, believing to connect with God. Or someone will go on a contiki tour around the Mediterranean, trying to find God, trying to find Jesus. Many people go on 40-day fasts and move into a cave in Yanship, believing to find God. Can I encourage you? You will find God in the pages of the Bible. You will understand who God is in the pages of Scripture. You don't need a Kentucky tour. You don't need to go underwater and try and feel God. You're going to find Jesus in the pages of Scripture. If you want to know God and draw closer to Christ, look no further than the Word of God. Scripture contains our story. The Bible contains humanity's story. It's an in-depth look at us and our imperfection and an in-depth look at God's perfection. Scripture is the same story told many different ways of man's need for a saviour and that that saviour is Jesus Christ. It's the story of a loving God, broken people, and what that loving God has done to bring us together into a relationship. In Australia in 2020, we've got to realise how blessed we are with the access to scripture that we have. We can access the entire scripture on our phone in many translations. You can have Morgan Freeman read the New Testament, the Testament to you on your phone. It's powerful. We've got many different resources available to us in the West where we can understand the Bible more. You can have a Bible for your kids where there's a Lego Moses talking about the goodness of God. You can have all sorts of stuff. There's amazing resources available to us. And there are people on the planet who would give anything for just one page of the Bible. There, there are countries who would do anything to just have some scriptures available to them. There, there are people on the earth desperate for scripture in their language. Come on, we're so blessed to have it in our language, readily available to us. We are blessed. We are blessed. So my hope today, guys, is that this message inspires you, it encourages you fills you with a renewed passion for the Word of God and an expectation that as you read it, your life will be radically changed. What revelations await you on the other side of reading the Word of God? What closeness with God are you going to feel on the other side of getting into Scripture? 
What wisdom and knowledge awaits you and your family on the other side of you faithfully meeting with God through his word? What is on the other side of you engaging with scripture in a powerful way? So church, this morning I want to ask you, do you engage with the word of God or do you rely on others to get it for you? Can I encourage you, we've got to be a people that seek out God's word for ourselves. I've grown up with two older brothers and initially in the early days, my mum would dress us all up the same. So if we had a Mickey Mouse t-shirt on Sean, Mickey Mouse t-shirt on uh, Nathan and Mickey Mouse t-shirt on me, it meant that for many seasons I would receive the same t-shirt. And people would say, where are you getting these t-shirts that grow with you? I need to buy one. But in reality, it was just hand-me-downs coming through twice. And so what happens is, is that I'm not picking my own clothes. I don't have a taste for clothes. I've got no awareness of what cool clothes are. I just receive. Someone's got it for me. It just fits. I don't know how. Mums have this ability to look at you and just get the size, slap it on. It's perfect. And uh, I had this hand-me-down relationship with clothing. The danger is we can do that with our Christian walk. Where we, when, and it's, it's right that this happens, that when we're new to faith, we receive from others. A pastor will come and encourage you with a word that they've got and someone will preach and it's pre-chewed, pre-thought out, pre-prepared. You receive that. But come on, we've got to get to a point where we do not have a hand-me-down faith, but we have one that we've dug out ourselves. Too many people are Christians because their parents are. We've got to go to the Bible and understand what it means for us, make that decision ourselves and walk in that. I'm not ignorant to the fact that because my parents were pastors, initially my walk with God was because of my family. It was a hand-me-down faith. What I knew of God was directly coming from them, which is not back as their pastors. But anyway, I eventually had to make a decision that this faith is mine. What I believe I've sought out, what I believe I have a conviction of, it's sunk deep into my spirit with what I believe. I love in Hebrews 5.11, verse 14, it's going to come up on the screen. It says, we have much to say about this. But it is hard to make it clear to you because you no longer try to understand. In fact, though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you the elementary truths of God's word all over again. You need milk, not solid food. Anyone who lives on milk being still an infant is not acquainted with the teaching about righteousness. But solid food is for the mature, who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. We've got to mature in our faith and mature in our understanding of God by reading the Word of God. We've got to go from milk to meat. What's the difference there? When you're a baby and you receive milk from your mum, you don't have to do any work, you just receive. But God's encouraging us through His Word there. We've got to go from milk to meat. What does that mean? We went out, we hunted the animal, we killed it, we prepared it, we cooked it. I did it with my taste in mind, and now I've got something that's going to fill me. And hey, fill my family. We've got to move from milk to meat, and it happens by engaging with God's Word. Are you engaging and thus maturing in the things of God by how you engage with Scripture? We've got to engage with it for us, but for those that are parents and you know, people that look after children and have people in their family, we've got to engage with it for our family. And I love the picture that God paints in the book of Exodus where the Israelites are in the desert and, and God rains manna down from heaven. This was God's provision for them. It was, it was food for them to eat. And the instruction is, go out every day, and collect for your tent. Don't collect for someone else's tent. You're collecting for your household. And do it every day. He said, don't store it up because it's going to spoil. Do it every day. And I love this picture because what it's, it's speaking to us about is God's provision daily for us and our tent and the instruction for us every day to receive from God's provision through the Word of God for our tent and to take it back and not try and get from other people, not try and store up, but every day go and receive something from God. God wants to speak to you every day through His Word. 
You won't rely on others or blame others when you feed yourself. When you engage with the source yourself, when you engage with the Word of God yourself. Church, I want to ask us this morning, do you hunger for Scripture? Do you have a hunger and a desire for biblical truth, for the source? Do you know what God would, ha- would say to you today? Because God wants to speak to you today through the Word of God, to be encouraged in your faith, to better navigate the challenges of life. As you read the Word of God, to be equipped to fight temptation. As you read the Word of God, our behavior is corrected. Our priorities are corrected. It'll bring peace to our soul. The, the Word will change your life. Come on, church, the Word will change your life. We've got to engage with God's Word. Did you know the Bible is the most stolen book on the planet? Who's ever stolen? No, I'm just kidding. The Bible is, in, is split into 66 books, and uh, in English, it's broken down into verses and chapters. It's originally written in Greek, Hebrew, and Aramaic, and it's split into the Old and New Testament. Old Testament is pre-Jesus' birth. New Testament is after Jesus' birth. And I love what many people say. Old Testament is Jesus Christ concealed. New Testament is Jesus Christ revealed. It's written by approximately 40 different people. It's written by people, but it's inspired by the Spirit of God. It's been breathed by God. I remember being in like middle school in year eight, and I was trying to invite someone to church and share, them, share my faith with them. And this kid was like, if God's real, who wrote Genesis? And I was like, oh. I was shaken to the core. My faith was shaken from the ground up. And I remember asking someone from church, I said, who wrote Genesis? They're like, Moses did. I was, he wasn't even there. Explain that. What we need to understand is that it's a supernatural holy book inspired by the Spirit of God, written by a man's hand, but inspired by the Spirit of God. It's not like how God speaks to us today. When God speaks to you and you write it down, that's not Scripture. It's not, and then radical people do that, and God spoke to me, and is that equal to Scripture? It's not. The Scripture's inspired and breathed by God through prophets, apostles, disciples, verified through a very strenuous process so we can be confident in its content. It's written over a 1,600-year period from approximately 1,500 BC to 100 AD. And I don't know if you know this, but the New Testament has 24,000 manuscripts, which means that there are 24,000 copies, very old manuscript copies of what we know to be the New Testament. What does that mean? When Paul wrote Romans and it went to the church and they read it out, if people wanted to revisit that and study that and look at that, they couldn't take a photo or photocopy it. They would write it out again. And so there's actually 24,000 copies of what we know to be the New Testament. When I first heard that, I thought that was a problem. I thought if it's a holy book, there should only be one. There's a problem with only just being one, is that it's easily manipulated, easily controlled by one person. So God in his wisdom has 24,000 created of the New Testament. And what's amazing is, is that scholars have gone through all 24,000. And the differences that are in them, 99.8% of them are variants that mean nothing to essential doctrine. So the 0.2% of differences that's left over... Sorry, the 99.8% of differences is, is spelling, grammar, punctuation, adding a the, adding a who, where, when, what, why, etc. We can be confident that the translations of Scripture support one another. And if there's 24,000 manuscripts saying the same thing, we can be confident in its validity. You know, there's a lot of historical books that people really get behind. It's in museums, they're taught, they're, you know, in universities and people study it. And there's only 40 to 50 manuscripts. 
Yet people question the validity and the historicalness of the New Testament when there's 24,000 manuscripts saying the same thing. Uh, the Bible app, which we can have on our phone, has been downloaded close to 300 million times. I think we should praise God for that. People have the, the Word of God on their phone. All right. God knew that you and I would need supernatural help to find Him and to know Him and to live His way beyond just feelings. So in addition to feelings, God has given us something concrete which we can read, know, and stand on. And I know in my own life, I've been so inspired by different people and their relationship to the Word of God, their passion for the Word of God. One of them absolutely is my mum. My mum has a hunger and a desire and a passion for the Word of God. Growing up, she was always quoting scriptures, speaking scriptures over us. I would come to the dinner table. She would say, have you got clean hands and a pure heart? She would tuck me in at night and say, may the Lord bless you and keep you and make His face to shine upon you and give you peace. And she would always have verses for stuff. And then many a morning, I would wake up as a kid. And even now, I would wake up up and see her reading the Word of God. And I would say how she's navigated this challenge in her life right now with her health, I put her getting through it down to her relationship with the Word of God. She's in the Word of God, being strengthened and uplifted. I love Pastor Izzy. He inspires me with his relationship with the Word. He's passionate about the Word of God. He's studying it. He's passionate about it. If you talk to him, it takes a few seconds for something from God's Word to come up. And I remember our first year of college camp. It was three in the morning. I was fast asleep and the camp door opens. In comes Pastor Izzy, wide-eyed, pumped, jacked. I thought he was on fire. And he said, he's like, Geordie, I've been in the kitchen. Seeking God, seeking Jesus, reading the word, praying. And I was like waking up like flipping egg, like crikey. And easy, three in the morning, seeking God, reading the word in the camp kitchen. I went back to bed I was, and then woke up convicted. <laughs> Izzy's passionate about the word of God. I loved um, Pastor Eli. He's, he's incredibly disciplined with his relationship to the Word of God. When I was in Bible college, I, I did my practical time with him for two years. And every time I, I arrived into his office, he'd have something written on his arm. And what he would do is, is every morning he would read the Word of God. And what he felt God was highlighting to him to maybe change or apply, he would write it on his arm. And he'd have all sorts of random interesting things written on his arm. And I'd come in and see every day, man, what an encouragement about the discipline of reading the Word of God. He, was, he had it every day. And I love Pastor Donna. Pastor Donna is passionate about the Word of God. She has a verse for everything. If you talk to Pastor Donna, you could give her the most random thing, like, oh, yeah, that's when I lost the shoe and the flamingo ran off. Now I can't pay the mortgage. I've got a verse for that. It's amazing. She's got it all. And you say, and then I, and then I dropped the watermelon. Now I can't go back for four weeks. And that was in Denmark. I've got a verse for that. She's amazing. She's got a verse for everything. Pastor Donna has a richness and a depth of understanding and knowledge of Scripture that we're all blessed by, which she's carved out in her own time. And you can see that it's bearing fruit in her life and now it bears fruit in all of us that she uh, engages with and looks after. I love Janwell. Janwell's a legend. He inspires me with his relationship with God, his relationship with the Word of God. He's just moved into a new house and you go into his house and literally the first room is this little library that he's created. There's a big table, just a huge Bible sitting there. There's all books. He went into the room. He's like, hey, Google, lights on and a fireplace lights up, lights come on, and he's ready to read the Word. He's literally created a whole room in his house, spent money just to read the Bible. It's awesome. I, I remember receiving my first Bible at a young age. It was a little NIV one, and uh, I remember for the first week or so being very passionate about it, and I was reading Scripture every day and just, oh yeah, so good, so good. 
what? I didn't understand what it meant. And, and, then, and then I found a verse that I liked. Isaiah 41.10 was my favorite. And I remember um, not really, uh, you know, staying with it. And I, I just kept reading less and less. And I didn't want my parents to know that I wasn't reading my Bible. So I just opened it to the Isaiah 41 page, flipped it upside down on my bedside table. So when my parents walked past my room, they're like, God bless you. Come on. He's in the Word. But you know what? It was upside down on my bedside table. It just got dustier and dustier. And because it was open, when I finally did open and want to read it, it would never close properly. It had this big curve in it, and it was a constant reminder that I'd let it slip. And if I did, if someone asked me to share something that it connected or whatever, I'd have to get the Bible. This dust, a cloud of glory just would emerge. And I remember getting a Bible that I liked. I went to Kurong and got the superhero Bible. Anyone had the superhero Bible? Come on, a couple of us still remain. That's good. Um, and this Bible, um, what it had was on the front cover was this big buff Moses. He was a cartoon and he was looking jacked and there was water behind him and it was epic, had the staff. And then as you read the Bible, every time there's a, a key character, there'd be a separate page, which was all colorful cartoons of this superhero character. So it would have Jonah. And for some reason, Jonah's jacked with huge traps and everything. And um, it would have his God superpower. So it would have like faith or strength or joy or prayer. It would have their superpower. And what ended up happening was I would just read those pages. So I would just read the superhero pages and love that. And there's nothing wrong with that. At a young age, that was really good for me. And um, I moved on to a NKJV study Bible. Come on. And everyone over 60 said, I'm just kidding. That's the KJV. Anyway, don't worry about it. I got the NKJV study and uh, I remember getting into the Word of God, and I really wanted to learn. I wanted to grow in my understanding. And I remember reading scriptures that said, if your eye causes you to sin, cut it out. And I was sitting on the end of my bed going, they're both going to have to go. And, <laughs> and just sitting there trying to process what God was saying. And why I love the study Bible is you look through the notes, and it says, do not cut your eye off or your hand. You know, cut things out of your life. Because I said, praise God. Glory to God. It was powerful. Tears of joy just coming down. Um, but throughout my life, navigating my relationship with Scripture has grown, it's changed, and it's looked different. And, and over the, a course of time, I've, I've learned a couple of things which have helped me approach Scripture and engage with Scripture. So I've got five points to help us in our relationship with the Word this morning, and they're going to come up on the screen. Point number one is this, habit. Habit is so important. What does that mean? A regular pattern of behavior, something that is inbuilt in your, in your time, in your schedule, in your routine, something that becomes automatic. You know, we have a habit of, you know, picking our nose, whatever it is, brushing our teeth, all that kind of stuff. Habits of things that become automatic in our behavior. I want to encourage you, may reading the Word of God be a habit in your life, something that you're disciplined with, that you don't just believe for it to happen on accident, but you actually help make it happen in your life. Fix scripture into your routine. I love what Pastor Eli was saying Friday night, having a time and a place that you read the Word of God, having a time and a space. Maybe it's a special chair at your house or in the car, at the gym, wherever it might. I don't know about how you do it at the gym. I don't know. Um, have a place that is your place to read the Word, to meet with God, and have a time as well. Time in the Word regularly will help you not be a feeling or experience-based believer or an experienced junkie. We run the risk as Pentecostals of sometimes doing that. If I haven't felt the fruit tingles up my spine for a while, I think God's gone. 
We can become junkies. I haven't hit the deck and had a courtesy cloth in three months. Where is God? That will not happen if we are anchored in the Word of God. If we are spending time in Scripture, we won't be experience-based. Here's what else is a struggle. If you don't spend time in the Word, you become blessing-reliant. Your faith and connection to God is connected to how your outer circumstances are blessed. That's a problem when you get sick or something happens in your life and you go, where is God? If you're anchored in Scripture, you won't feel that. Don't, you, you need to have a habit and don't be a when I feel like it believer, that you'll read the Bible when you feel like it, because nine times out of ten, you won't feel like it. You've got to put it in your schedule, put it in your calendar, put it in Todoist in Jesus' name. Habit is so key, routine's so important, but I also want to encourage you, our relationship with the Word is like any other relationship in our life. For those that are married or dating, you have those dates where you're like, what time we finish work? Let's dash to Nando's. You don't make a booking. You're just wearing what you wore to work. You go in, you have a quick Nando's meal, have a nice time, you go home. There's nothing wrong with that. They're great. We love that. But don't we know it's important to have those special ones where you've booked a table. They might talk about this at the 12 p.m. You've booked a table. You iron a shirt. You put on that nice cologne. You, you get the car cleaned. And then you go out with your, your wife and have a beautiful date that's a little bit extra special, putting a little bit more, a bit more value on her. Um, and we need to do that with our reading of the Word. There's nothing wrong with that two minutes on the bus. There's nothing wrong with that five minutes on the train. There's nothing wrong with that four minutes before bed. There's nothing wrong with that. But every now and then, can I encourage you, do something extra special. Put out a shirt. No, I'm just kidding. Don't put a shirt. Um, do something extra special. Put in your calendar, hey, an hour and a half uninterrupted time on Saturday, I'm, I want to read Matthew. I'm going to get stuck into the book of Matthew. I want to read that. Or, hey, this Tuesday night, I'm having some time with the Lord and I want to read all about the Psalms or something like that. Have something that you're believing to get in and, and dig deep in and read something of God. Um, maybe you want to do a topical study. I know there's been times where there's things I'm thinking about and I'm wrestling with, how does that work? What does this happen? And I put it in my calendar that I'm spending time with God reading about that that week. Do something a little bit extra special. So habit's so important. Number two is this, Holy Spirit. We need, the, we need to have a habit of the Word of God, but we need the Holy Spirit to be a part of our time of reading the Word. I think it's going to come up on the screen. All right. So important, church, that we invite the Holy Spirit into our reading time with God. A great saying, I don't know where it came from, but it says, don't say God is silent if your Bible is closed. Because the way that God speaks to us is through His Holy Spirit, illuminating Scripture to us, making things stand out, applications stand out. One of the primary functions of the Holy Spirit is to illuminate Scripture to us, make mysteries known, make the unclear clear, make the things that are confusing applicable in our life. Reading the Bible is reading time, but by the Holy Spirit, it's also listening time. If you feel like you haven't heard God for a while, I want to challenge you, how opens your Bible? Get into the Scripture. If we invite the Holy Spirit into our Bible reading time, it helps us Get out of it what God wants to speak to us about, not get out of it what we want. One thing about the Bible is you can read into it whatever you want. There can be a passage of Scripture. And we go, well, that means I'm going to put it all on black at the casino tonight. You know, we can read into it whatever we want. If we invite the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit will lead and guide us and stop us from interpreting things the way that we want it. It's a supernatural time of the Holy Spirit illuminating, making clear, bringing revelation. And I want to encourage us, church, don't read the Bible just in your flesh. Which leads me to point number three. We've got to read with habit, the Holy Spirit. And number three is humility. We've got to approach reading the Bible with great humility. Read with humility. Here's what that means. Read to be challenged and corrected. You can absolutely read the Bible to be comforted, but I want to encourage you, read the Bible to be challenged and corrected as well. Read to learn not to preach. Read to learn not to post. 
Nothing wrong with posting scriptures, but when you post, hey, everybody, I just thought you should let you know that you really need to fix this up. You know, read it for yourself. Read to learn, apply, and then share. What is it saying to me, not what is it saying to Jim? A lot of us read the Bible like this. I've done this. Oh, that is fantastic for Jim. Jim would be blessed. Jim really needs to hear that. I wish Jim would, but Jim, you need to read, you know, read for yourself, not for Jim. I love that passage of scripture where it says, um, don't point out the speck in a brother's eye if you've got a huge plank in your own eye. But then it also says in Corinthians, Paul encourages the church to judge one another in the church to keep us accountable to living to a godly biblical standard. So which one is it? Do I point out the specs or do I judge one another? Uh, do I not point out the specs or do I judge one another? Here's what it is. We read the Bible for us, not for Jim. We then apply what it says. We then bear some fruit and then we come alongside someone else in them applying that scripture. When you read the Bible, read it for you, not Jim. But here's what I want to encourage you to do. Read it, apply it, bear some fruit, then come alongside Jim and say, Jim, here's where God is changing my life through the applied word of God. How can I help you apply it as well? And Jim's going to go, thank you so much. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> but yeah, read it for you, not for Jim. But both of those passages, not pointing out the speck, judging one another, what it's calling us to is to not be hypocrites, speaking into things we don't have any fruit in. So we should have a desire to read, apply, bear fruit, come alongside in Jesus' name. Church, I want to encourage us, we need to have humility with our versions and our translations of the Bible. Sometimes we can get on our high horse about what we know to be true and what we believe and this, that and the other. The reality is, unless you're reading it in Greek, Hebrew or Aramaic, it's wrong. Unless you're fluent in Greek, you're, there's going to be mistakes. But what I know to be true is that the Holy Spirit is big enough to lead us and guide us through those things. But let's not be people that are, you know, bashing up other people about reading the NIV certain year or whatever. Unless you're reading Greek, we don't want to hear it. Well, I certainly don't. Pastor Liam might. He'll have a chat with you. But the Bible, guys, obviously is being translated by humans wrapped up in human gear. They add cartoons. We've got to believe that God and His sovereignty can push through things that are mistakes and help us. But let's, not, let's have humility with how we navigate translations, etc. Um, I've gone through seasons of my life where I've just loved the study elements of reading the Bible. Tell me more about the city of Corinth, but not what you would have the Corinthians do and in turn me. <laughs> Tell me about the socioeconomics of Corinth, but not what you would say to them and me. Um, often we can say, give me context, but not correction. It's dangerous. We need the correction. We can often say, give me the history, but not the how-tos. We've got to love the study elements, but we've got to approach it with humility. Let's love the context and the correction, which leads me to number four. And in keeping with Pentecostal preaching, I've gone for all H's. So we've got habit, Holy Spirit, humility, and application in Jesus' name. So when reading the Bible, we've got to be believing and looking for application. Read to apply, not just know. Read to apply, not just know. Um, the story of the man who built his rock on the sand. Let's check that out. Matthew 7 verse 24. This is Jesus speaking. Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat against that house and it fell 
and, the, and great was the fall of it. This, this scripture is not about your faith. When I was a kid, I thought it was Jesus in this story is the rock. The rock here is the applied word of God. Jesus is saying, those who hear these words of mine and do them are like a wise man. The, those who hear these words and do not do them are like someone who builds on the sand. Two interesting observations. Both built something and both experienced storms. What's the difference? One, one crumbled under the storm. And this is not talking about your house. When you read this story, don't think about your house in, in Heathridge. This is about your faith. This isn't about your physical things, your, your um, material things. This is about your faith. When the storms come, is your faith going to crumble under um, knowing the Word but not doing it? Or is it going to stand strong under a foundation of the applied Word of God? Because here's the reality. You will go through storms. As you apply the word of God, things are gonna happen. Storms are gonna come. Challenges are gonna come. But your faith will stand strong if you're living in the applied word of God. What is that? It's not perfection. It's not I'm doing everything in scripture. No one can. It's a heart of God. I'm doing my best to apply, to come with humility and believe for application in Jesus' name. All right, how do I apply scripture? Here we go. Humility, action, faith. But how do we do it further? Discipleship accountability, coming under teaching, being open to challenge, saying to people, would you help me? It's, it's nearly impossible to apply the Word of God in isolation. If you read the Scripture and then move into a cave and someone comes in and says, hey, how can I help you navigate your purity? People go, they, they're like crazy. Discipleship, accountability, coming under teaching, all those things include somebody else. Attempting to apply the Word of God in isolation is incredibly difficult. Here's what I want to remind us of. We need the church. You need your leaders. You need discipleship. You need accountability. We need each other. We need each other. If you don't believe me, you don't have to. Just read your Bible and you'll discover that we need the church. We need one another. We need godly leaders. We need to have coffees at Peppermint Green where we say, help me apply this scripture. We need to go to Paper Ave with our leaders and say, hey, help me apply this. I'm, I'm struggling with this. Application is so important. All right, number five. Number five, managed to get another H in there, hunger, hunger, habit, Holy Spirit, humility, application, hunger. We need to have hunger in our relationship with the Word of God. What I want to encourage us with church is develop a hunger, develop an appetite for Scripture. I was never a coffee person. Uh, even during Bible college, I was not a coffee person until the day I tried a dare iced coffee. Unbelievable. It's 1% it's coffee, 99% sugar and milk unreal. Um, I had a dare ice coffee and I thought it was so good. And I remember going to a Yahava coffee tasting and the guy brought out the short, just a little shot of espresso, a little bit of hot water. And they're asking us, can sir taste the, the notes of cherry? I was like, nah, mate, just taste roastings. Hot. He's like, can sir pick up the hazelnut? Nah, I can't. And I remember not being able to taste any of those things and I didn't like it and it was too much. And then I remember going from the dare ice coffee to having a mocha. Then I took out the chalk, went to the latte. Then I took out the milk, went the long black. And then I went this, just a shot of espresso. And you know what? I went back to Yahava. And the guy's like, can sir pick up the oak? And I said, well, actually I can. I'm also picking up pecans. Very well, sir. <laughs> what had happened? What's happened? I've developed a taste for the deeper, mature things. I can notice the nuances. How does that happen? It's a journey of going from milk to meat. It's a journey of maturing in what I'm going for in the Word of God. Come on. I'm not relying on Pastor Eli to bring me a dare ice coffee anymore. I'm, I'm grinding my own beans. Come on, someone. I'm going to the Word of God. I'm getting something for myself. 
it will develop new hungers in you as you get an appetite for the Word of God. And it's going to get rid of some unhealthy ones in Jesus' name. The biggest hunger it will instill in you is actually a hunger for God. And there's this crazy cycle that happens with reading the Word of God. Here's what happens. You read the Word of God and it, and it helps you love God more. It gives you a desire for God. But here's the funny thing. Your desire for God gives you a desire for Scripture. The more I read the Word of God, the more I love God. And the more I love God, the more I love the Scripture, the more I'm in the Scripture. It's this crazy cycle. So where do you start? Where do you start? You start right now. You start tomorrow morning. You set your alarm 15 minutes early and you get into the Word of God. You invite the Holy Spirit. You approach it with humility. You have some application and watch as your hunger increases. The Word of God will change your life, church. The Word of God will change your life. I want to encourage you, let's not look for other things to come and draw us closer to God. Let's get back in the pages of the Word of God and discover who Christ is and what He would say to you today. It's a supernatural book about a supernatural God who has gone to incredible lengths to bring us together. Just as I close, I want to encourage us, let us be a church full of Bible-based believers who know the Word and are in the Word who know where our beliefs and convictions come from, who don't just copy each other, but apply what the Word of God is telling us to do. I believe that as we apply God's Word as a church, as a connect group, as an age group, that, that God, the fruit of God's Word is going to just overflow in so many different ways in your life and in the lives of those around you. I want to encourage you, have an impact on others by how you engage with the Word of God. I believe that others, let's believe that others will be stirred and inspired by how you engage with Scripture. And let's believe as you do that, you draw closer to God, your world draws closer to God, and many people will be saved in Jesus' name. Church, let's just stand and sing for a second. I'd love to... Thank you so much for joining us online today. Really great to have you with us. And special thanks to those also who give online. Your generosity is making the way for others to hear the message of Jesus both here in Australia and around the world. If you enjoyed today's message, I'd love to encourage you to share this message with a friend, a workmate, a family member. And let's believe together that it will powerfully impact their life for good in Jesus' name. If you're unable to be with us at one of our church locations, uh, both here in Australia and around the world, please join us online every Sunday for Global Heart at Home on YouTube. God bless and have a great week.